Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about social media for wineries. And more specifically, we're going to be diving into brand pages. So when we think about brand pages for wineries or wine brands, how do you define that? Well, at a high level, it is the page or profile that represents the brand. And when people look at it and they see the initial image, they see the name, they read the first sentence of the bio, they, they see the pictures or videos, they should know exactly what it is about. It's that essence of, hey, I know what I'm looking at and what their product is and what they're selling and what it's all about. So when I think about that from a business perspective, I kind of think about it as like another marketing channel. So In addition to where a lot of wineries might or wine brands might do email marketing, so retailers or anyone, importers, wineries, they do a lot of email marketing right now. They might do regular print media or other things. But I think a brand page for social media adds another marketing channel to them, right? So they get some more engagement with their customer base or potential customers. They can deliver different types of content in different formats. I think I heard someone call it snackable content once. <laughs> it's like the different form than some others. And, you know, I think they can just have another way of communicating with their customer base or potential customer base. Are there other things that you think about with with brand pages? Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the snackable comment, actually. You know, one of the things I think about, it's kind of like the behind the scenes footage or the director's cut. And so you can really tell what's going on at the winery in a day to day, whether you're doing the like the the seasonality or, hey, we're just cleaning out the vats. Hey, we're doing we're checking out a malolactic fermentation. You know, any of these things that we're doing behind the scenes or as a retailer, like, hey, we're we just got this in stock, letting people know what's in there. It's ephemeral, like fear of missing out. You know, you want to get that FOMO action where, hey, I saw this on your story. And the advantage of that, people can you know directly contact you or, or applaud something. And I think that that engagement is like that's something that if it's only there for twenty four hours, but then you also then you know maybe there's a post about it later and things like that. And then you can DM and like all those things. I, I agree with everything you said. It's about engagement and kind of giving that little different levels of content to different users because some people are gonna go through the stories and some people are gonna read through your posts. And you know it's it's about telling the story of what that brand is about. So for people who've never done this before, how do you get started? Yeah, I mean, it seems simple. It gets complicated. And so the first is about a name, right? And we talked about in our previous episode about claiming your real estate. You should try to have social media names across all the social platforms, the handles essentially, to be consistent. And so the at whatever on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and and try to be and understand what the rules are for each of those platforms and try to have something consistent. And eventually, if you're a big enough player, big enough winery, uh, you can become a verified account, which has that little blue check on most of the platforms. So people know that you're the official one, because if you don't create your real claim, your real estate, someone else will. So is that when something says like, I don't know, Beyonce official, that that's a verified account? And are you should you try to reserve the official or is that not necessary? Yeah, so if you're a celebrity or a brand that is really well established, you can just go to apply and you have to show that you have ownership. You have to show that you created this account and you actually own 
you represent that brand officially. And so you have to go through. So as an individual, if you were Beyonce, you'd have to send Beyonce, send her driver's license over. Obviously, you should probably have someone do that for her. <laughs> but uh, you know, Queen Bee doesn't do anything on by herself. But yeah, so in, in terms of wineries, it'd be the same thing. So if you're like Opus One can have, the, I don't even know if they have the check mark, but they could go and have the check mark. Uh, Mondavi can have the check mark. Like they just have to go and file the paperwork to do that across all those platforms. That way they don't have to write Mondavi Winery official in their username in order to claim it because someone else has already claimed it. And then from once you have that, you can basically police that people are, if they're not writing something specific, if they're actually copying your domain and trying to become you, that they, you can kind of kick them off. And that's a little bit more difficult than that, but yeah. So you have an account, then you need to build followership, which I'm particularly bad at doing. But <laughs> how, how do you get started building good followership? So for me, it's a lot of these platforms are visual. And so having an icon that represents your brand that's clear cut and actually speaks to what it is, whether that's your logo or if you're an individual that's well known, that, that person's image or the, your building, whatever that's going to be, that's going to represent your image. Have that be your profile pic. Have a clear name, as I mentioned earlier. The other thing is have a really good to the point bio that explains what you are and explains like we're a winery in this location have your location tagged let people know what it is and and you can actually give some instructions in terms of like if you love my winery hashtag my winery and i'll be looking at those things and throw some of those into our feed so you can create that awareness you can give some instructions about how to engage and interact with your audience so that's the first thing and the other one is to actually have content and really start to like consistently deliver content so does the content need to be like hyper professional, professionally photographed? They're all, I don't know, black and white or sort of like special deals kind of content or what kind of content do you need to build a followership? So whatever content you deliver will essentially be training your audience that you're going to be finding over time. And so you can, that doesn't mean you have to do all the same content, but it does mean that you have to be relatively consistent with your content. So I think the first step is about delivering consistent content. You should at least be doing something daily, if not several times a day. And doing a whole bunch of things in the course of like dropping five posts in one hour isn't as effective as kind of staggering doing two or three throughout the day at a consistent time. Again, you're building up your followership and not everybody's going to see every single post you make. That's just the nature of these platforms, algorithms that it's roughly going to be about a third of the people that are actually following you will see that. And it is important that you have good, like these platforms are visual. So it is important to have good imagery, but I got to say your phone these days, as long as you have a relatively current phone, have pretty powerful cameras. And there's a lot of filters to make your stuff look better. And a lot of little apps that you can tack on to make things a little bit better. It does not have to be a rock star photographer using a digital SLR to take these photos. You can do it by the people in your and crowdsource it from your team as you're doing things. And I would say that's for posts in stories. You can go real freeform because it's not up permanently. It's only up there for a little bit. And you can really just be like, hey, I'm telling you what's going on. I am actually flipped this on selfie view and I'm walking around doing a little video and I'm actually having a dialogue with my users. But man, if it's multiple posts a day, if that's a professional photographer, that's tens of thousands of dollars a month, oh, potentially. Yeah, and I'm not not proposing that. I think that if you're a champagne house that where you have these kind of marketing budgets, that makes sense. Or anytime you're leveraging your existing photo shoots, making sure that you're getting all that digital data so that you can post them later again, you can also, these things have a shelf life and you can repost and bring things back. So you can grab something from a year ago and bring it forward 
in order to, if it's something that really resonated with your brand and reuse it, you don't have to, it doesn't always have to be, I took this today to put this photo in there. And that's not what I'm saying either. I actually think that I'd rather have more content with less fidelity or with less like, like, a, like save the special professional photographers for like a major marketing beat or a major like new launch and like, and leverage those assets and make sure you get those digital ones. But I would say that if in general, you should be crowdsourcing from your team in order to get these photos and giving multiple people access, like don't be so precious with it. Like you want to get the content out there and like giving multiple people access to that account that you trust that isn't that are going to mess and have some guidelines and like a brand Bible where you're going to say, Hey, this is how we're going to post. These are things we're going to do. These are things that each post has to have. If you do that, it becomes a lot easier. It's more about documenting than it is about crafting the perfect picture. Are there certain types of content that you think resonate with wine consumers more than others, whether I can think of just off the top of my head, like a lot of winery brand pages are, bottle shots or vineyard or winery photos or things like that. But some of them are more maybe lifestyle oriented with food and wine or just the people who are making the wine. Do those resonate or is it maybe dependent on what your brand's about? It's totally dependent on what your brand is about. I would say that for the most part, it's a wine is a nice to have a luxury product. And there is some aspect, especially if you're a winery in terms of it's a travel destination, like, hey, I'd like to go visit Napa. I'm stuck in downtown Detroit and I want to, you know, I want to be escapism and think about what's happening there with the beautiful sunlight and hot air balloons and things like that. And I think capturing some of that is important, but you still have to have substance. And then you have to have content because it's like having a pretty photo is the hook. If you really want them to understand your brand, you got to get them to read a little bit. And that first sentence or two really matters because that's what appears on the top. And then you can dig in and actually have content and tell them more information. You don't want them just to scroll by and spend a second, give you a like that doesn't do much for you when they actually stop, engage with your content, read the caption, leave a comment, like actually engage with them, ask them questions, say, Hey, this is what we're like. This is our new wine. Here's a little note. What would you guys pair with this? Like, let us know and let people know those things and then actually engage with them and, and even feature some of those things. And you can, it's really easy to do in stories. It's great to do in posts. Don't be scared to use videos to do some of the stuff. Videos resonate better. I would have a little bit more polish and production value on a video than I would on a photo in terms of, I think it's a lot, there's Instagram's built and these platforms are built to be able to do little filters and things on photos. But on videos, I'd be like, I'd be adding my little tweaking editing to make sure that uh, the videos don't have as many pauses and that they're smooth and, and try to get under a minute. And there's a whole bunch of little tactical things we could talk about if we had to in terms of how to like dial in that content. So, you know, you see all of the hashtag things, right, that are in there. What are the hashtags you should be putting on your posts or on your stories? And what are the right ones to put to get the right followership? So let's talk about hashtags a little bit. So hashtags are capped at a specific post on most platforms. And on Instagram, which was the one I know the most about, we're capped at 30. So whether you put it in the caption or in a comment that's underneath the caption that you put afterwards, that's noise. That's just layout and how you want things to look in your caption. And so what I think of hashtags as is as essentially breadcrumbs to get people to find your brand. This is your way of being able to seed things out into the community and have them people who are looking for those things will find it and may lead back to your profile page. It may not. And you should, you have to do some due diligence in terms of like how to use them correctly. But I was explaining an analogy where 
These hashtags are essentially like bales of hay of varying sizes, and you're going to throw M&Ms into them. And the varying size of the bale is how many people are actually using it. If you have a giant hashtag like Cabernet Sauvignon, which has you know probably millions of posts that have, are tagged Cabernet Sauvignon, and you're a very small producer, the chance of you finding a consumer from that hashtag is probably pretty low until you get to enough size and have built up a reputation that the so that the algorithm knows that you're actually making a product that is related to that. So you'd want to be using other hashtags that are smaller, but you don't want to go so small that you're like all of your hashtags are stuff that you've made up and just the, all the names of your wines that aren't actually anything that anybody's actually searching for. So it has to be relevant to your post is the first step. Second one is find things that are the right size so that you actually may be discovered by potential consumers. And you can do that by just simply using the platforms that they tell you how many people are actually using or tagging posts to these things. That's essentially showing how big and how popular, how often they're used. And one thing that a lot of brands don't quite understand is you can actually follow hashtags. So there are people who will follow Napa Valley or your own personal winery or Cabernet Sauvignon if they're really into that grape or if they're really into Bordeaux or if they're really into something like that. They will follow a hashtag and kind of dive into it and search that way. And so it's important to be using those and to be mindful of everything you tag has to be relevant to your photo or or video. So I know a lot of wine brands and wineries that have tens of thousands of customers, but they're, let's say, Instagram or Facebook pages have like 2,000 customers or less even, right? How do you make it easier for current customers to follow you on those other channels? I mean, is it just the links on the email and the website or are there other things you can do? Yeah, the links on your email and your website, it's kind of like table stakes in terms of like letting people go to wherever they want to go. So the reality is that most people are going to have Facebook, most people are going to have Instagram, most people are going to have YouTube, most people are going to have Twitter, but they may consume different platforms at different varying rates. And so you want them to be able to access your content for each of those platforms where relevant. And I would definitely be letting people know when you have a great post on Instagram or a really awesome tweet on Twitter, I would definitely be letting your email newsletter people know. So in case you find one of your people who didn't know you were on Twitter or didn't know you were on Instagram, they would then click on that and be able to check that out and and gain that followership. Because you do want to kind of pool the communities. You want them to know wherever they're at, they can find your content. So one of the things about social media is that it's pretty new. It's been dynamic. There's been a lot of evolution of the platforms themselves and even the different platforms, right? Do we need to think about how do you, if you had a big audience, let's go way back. Let's say you had a big audience in like MySpace, which I know is not, didn't exist, right? And then that disappeared and went to Facebook and then, you know, sort of becomes Instagram or Twitter or whatever. How do you... How do you think about like porting followers to new platforms? Yeah, migrating users is complicated. I think the number one way that people should be thinking about it is that it's essentially building an offline email list or you know cell phone list that is basically going to be the unique identifier for your users and harvesting that and letting and using that email list as kind of like your communal repository of your users. And so I wouldn't be forcing people to go over, but obviously if you have this giant user base, when you jump onto new things, it's important to share. Oh, by the way, I'm on, we're on this as well. And we're on this as well and let people know. Otherwise, if you just build up, even if, even if you just build up on Instagram or, or Twitter or Facebook or any of one, if you're just in one and you haven't harvested out those emails and when those things fizzle, which takes many, many years to happen, but when that happens, you essentially have basically have lost a lot of hard work. And so it's important to migrate those wherever possible. 
And that means getting them off of your system. So sign up for our forms and things like that. Those are all things that you should be driving them towards. And then, you know, there's this whole notion of if you're an account, you follow some people and sometimes they follow you back. As a business account, who should you follow or what are the criteria of when you should follow other people? So social media is social and you have to interact with people. So I would, you know, if I was a winery in Sonoma Coast, I'd be following all the other Sonoma Coast wineries and I'd be looking at their posts on a regular basis. I'd be looking at what they're doing and say, hey, we were there. And like, you know, I'd be tagging them and commenting on their stuff because maybe they'll do the same for you. You get as much out of it as you put into it. And so if people play with your products and they post about it, I would be giving them love. So I'd be looking for anytime people have either tagged me or used my hashtags or use my geotag. So if they've like said, hey, I was at the winery, I'd be looking, you can search by location who posts things about your winery or your store or whatever you are in Instagram or Twitter and any of those places. And I'd be like all over those and making sure that I'm liking their stuff. Or if someone left, was upset about something that I'd be like, almost like a Yelp. I'd be like, Hey, we're sorry to hear that. We're going to, is it okay if we DM you would like to fix this problem that you had a bad experience at our winery. And I'd be on top of that stuff. Cause they may not be bullish enough to say like, I had this shit experience at X name winery. And so I'm not going to reach out to them, but I may have tagged their location though. And so there are ways to find that information and looking and being aware that we have GPS locations, we have hashtags that they may use, and we have accounts that they may tag. Those three things are very important to understanding where people are interacting with your products. So you're saying stalk people, but, but I guess my question was more like Uh, stalk yourself. You're stalking your, you're stalking people who are using your hashtags tagging your account or your geotag but yeah right. and then reach out to them if they have if you either like their stuff or comment on their stuff or fix things that are broken if they comment on something negatively but i guess my question was a little more around like when do you decide to follow other accounts so if i'm peter young wine biz guy who am i supposed to follow in order to build my own followership do i follow like Tens of thousands of people or only certain accounts or, you know. Yeah, so you're capped at being able to follow a certain number of people on almost every platform. Facebook is like 5,000 and Instagram 7,500 and Twitter. I think it scales. I can't remember off the top of my head what Twitter's does. But yeah, so it you shouldn't just follow tons of people. If you do follow someone, it does create awareness. And there are plenty of wineries who follow me and then unfollow me. And that is a strategy to create awareness and get people to follow you. My general rule of thumb is I won't follow anybody that I don't think I may interact with their content. And then if they start to show content that is really not relevant to me, then I will unfollow it. And so that's kind of my razor for it. But I would definitely be interacting and liking and commenting on people's posts without necessarily following them. So you can have a really low followership. I would be following people who are people you're going to interact with. And if you have super fans, I'd be following them. So I, right. I know a collector who loves heights and like gets invited up there all the time to do all the like crazy verticals and stuff like that. And brings bottles as well and shares them with them. And so if I was heights, I'd be following that guy. I'm pretty sure they are. And it's like your super users, you should, your club members, like, yeah, I'd follow them because the chances are your club members are going to post when they get their wines. And when they do things like I would totally be following my club members. Well, that brings to the point of like driving engagement. So you have a follower base, then you need to drive engagement and create a community in whatever social platform you're using. How do we think about driving engagement? You talked about sort of liking, commenting, reposting, that sort of thing. What about through content or otherwise? 
Yeah, through content and stories, um, through posts, asking questions in the captions, giving them instructions like, hey, we're doing this. We'd like to know what recipes you guys have out there. Like, send us a recipe or make something and tag us. And a lot of that stuff like you can do, you know, I think food and wine pairings is great. I think that there is asking, hey, what would you like to see from us? Hey, this is what's happening in the vineyard. Like, hey, we just had this. We're a biodynamic place. We just had this new cow. We just had a cow was born. Like, what should we name her? Like, you can really. The baby goats. The baby goats are what get people every time. Exactly. Exactly. Animals are cute, man. Animals, animal, yeah. animals, and pretty people sell wine. But yeah, so there's. I would ask questions. I would definitely be. You can use like little survey things in stories. You can leave open-ended forums. You would say, "Hey, we're going to do a special event." If you're doing anything with charities or special donations, like I'd be like anything that's kind of ephemeral. I'd be leveraging that across all my platforms. I was and just so, about like, to ask that about the like. The surveys, do a lot of people fill that out? I know you, you've probably done some and in your Instagram account. Do Is that pretty popular? Like what percentage around of people who actually see the story do the survey? Oh, it can be pretty high. I mean, it's upwards of 50%. It's actually pretty high, especially if it's a yes, no. If it's a fill in the blank, it's a less active, but then you can get some kind of, you can get some more detailed answers if you're like, hey, if you want them to write something in, that's more. But if you give them a drop down or a multiple choice question or even little quizzes, those are pretty high engagement rates from what I've seen. But I think it varies depending on what you're asking and the quality of that content. So you build a followership, you're engaged with them, build a community. Sometimes you want to create a call to action, especially if you're a business. You may want them to buy something, sign up, give you their email, sign up for your mailing list, whatever, right? What are different ways to get people to do that. So the most basic one is, hey, go to the link in our bio because you can change the link in your bio on a regular basis. Hey, we just had this Wall Street Journal article. Hey, we were featured in Wine and Spirit. You know, whatever it was, you can go and change that link in your bio. And while that link is still static, you know, that post is relevant. And after 24, 48 hours, it's less so. And you can go back to whatever you were using. So, you know, telling people to go to the link in your bio is fine. I think the next level up from that is using Linktree or something like it, where you're basically enabling one link to be always there and have all your basic information, but then also have like the new hot information and let them pull that information out. And there's great analytics around that. So Linktree is a huge recommendation for a brand. It's worth the $6 a month for the pro account, but there are free accounts if you just want to try it out. Then it's like asking people to sign up. And like, again, you can create these little micro pages outside of the platform, no matter what platform you're in. So when they, you use that link tree or use that link in your bio, you're going to say, hey, sign up for our email list here to get more information. And that's a first step. Or if, give us your phone number and we'll text you some when we're going to do latest events if you're local and things like that. You can do all of that stuff outside of the platforms, but by using your link in your bio. Once you're big enough, you can use stories to say, swipe up and go there and send them to an external link. You can do that as well if you're not big enough by paying for stories to be promoted and boosted. And doing that will allow you to use the call to action swipe up technology. Right. Last time you said if you have more than 10,000 followers on Instagram, you get the swipe up in stories for free. Correct. It's just an extra feature that unlocks at that size. Yeah. But if you pay. Right. If you pay, you, you get free. that. It's not free. It's time. always there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about, I've seen some people do different like campaigns, you know, of tell us blah, 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 or there's a contest, you know, with giveaways or something like that. Are those pretty effective? 
I think they can create awareness. I think that, again, with a lot of those things, you can, hey, we're going to give away a win a trip somewhere, or we're going to give winery passes, or we're going to give these bottles of way. And there's restrictions anytime you do that. So a lot of these platforms, are all these platforms are global. And your user base may be all over the world. So, But if you're going to give wine to someone in another location, you have to make sure that you can actually give it them. So you have to put those restrictions clearly in your caption and explain those rules. I think that the where I see those giveaways really working is when you're working with some other people or other wineries. It's like, hey, we're working with this other winery and these three wineries are all doing the same kind of giveaway all at the same time. And we're, we're each giving two bottles of our latest release together for this, or we're doing something for this charity and you're kind of like all crowdsourcing something. That is really powerful as long as you're getting multiple people because you're going to kind of cross pollinate some of your users. You can also do that with influencers in terms of, hey, I'm going to this influencer just hit the certain level or we just hit the certain threshold. We're going to give them some bottles like, please follow us and them. And, and that gets you some cross promotions. Those are effective in terms of growth. It's not always the best engagement tool, but it is an effective way to say, kind of grow your user base. And then you have to try to figure out how to give call to actions or then how to engage with them. So they can be effective. And we're definitely going to have a deep dive on influencers as well as actually interview a few influencers to, and maybe even brands who have used influencers to understand how social media can be used for wine-related brands with influencers. But okay, so we have followers. We have an engaged community. We sometimes ask them for calls to action. That's kind of what I think about with a brand page. You know, I hear a lot about different wineries talking about or doing outsourcing, managing the brand page versus doing it in-house. What are the pros and cons of doing that outside of money, of course? Yeah, I mean, so it's whether it's so first, if you're going to play in the space, you have to figure out how you want to play and how much. Obviously, if you are the brand owner, the marketing department or the owner of the brand, you can speak to it more coherently than anybody else externally can. And so that is the number one pro. The problem is, is it takes your time in order to do that. And so, you know, you can either hire a team or you can do it yourself and depend, it depends on the scale and what else you could be doing. If you're the person also making the wine, it might be a little bit more difficult than that. And especially at certain times of the year. And so what I wouldn't do is outsource it to my, like my niece or nephew. And just because they're younger and they're on the platform, because they probably don't know enough about my product in order to be able to do it for people who are like generational and larger people in the family who have people that are actually participating. I think that actually makes a lot of sense. I've seen that a lot in Europe where the younger generation who are actually working in the winery or at the winery, they will then take over the marketing and comm side. And I think going to an agency, if there's an agency focused on wineries, and there's a lot of PR firms that are working with wineries, especially in Napa and Sonoma. They are building that capability. Like they, as long as you give them the clear guidelines of what your content should look like, it should work and it should be good. But if you just go to like just hiring someone to get you followers is something I would not be doing. Like just trying to augment growth artificially is never good. But you should be looking at like, could you outsource a digital PR? Yeah. You could totally do that. And people will do a good job at that as long as they understand your brand and you can articulate that to them. But that still takes time as well. And when you do that, you still have to supply them with a lot of the visual assets, right? The creative assets. It but yeah. I mean, a lot of those companies will come with like photographers and come take the photos that they want. I think that in order to do, if you take that lens of I should be documenting what's happening at the winery, maybe the official posts are done by the PR agency and you sign off on the captions that are in those posts, but maybe you own the stories. Again, multiple people can be logging into your account and posting 
things for that. So maybe you, as a winemaker, when you're in the winery, you just have your phone handy and you're documenting for stories, but you're not doing any of the official posts. But maybe and if you're a small company and you're outsourcing it to your someone in your family or a PR agency, maybe you want to sign off on all the captions because you want to vet it because you want to make sure that you're hitting your brand messaging. I think that's an important one that multiple people can log in. I, I wasn't aware of that until we actually had this X Chateau Instagram account and you made me able to log in. So I think yeah, that's you have kind to, of you have to do some double verification, but it's all as long as you're on the same spot, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah. Awesome. So let's wrap up talking about brand pages here. What do you think are trends versus fads for brand pages for wine related brands? I have not thought this one through yet. So in terms of trend, I think more and more wineries are taking the space seriously and actually creating their pages in a more thoughtful way in terms of I'm going to tell you what's going on in my winery. And I actually think people often want to know the stories behind the wines and people are using this as an opportunity, something that maybe wouldn't go out in an email newsletter, but something that could be in one of your, a post that happens in your daily post that you do for your winery, like telling like, hey, today we're, we're pruning. Like that's not something you're necessarily going to do an email blast for, but it's like, hey, we've had bud break. And you know, there's a lot of things that you could be telling them that, you know, people who are buying your bottles at various price actually want to know about. And so, you know, you can't just all be vineyard shots and, and all farming, right? It has to be more than that, but it can be cyclical. And I think that people are taking that life cycle and trying to translate it into their profile page of what's happening in terms of like a virtual experience. I think that's going to stay. In terms of fad, I think, boy, those like no-name places that are like, I'm going to get you 10,000 followers. And I promise they'll be genuine. Those people are still going to exist. Like they're always going to exist. I think they become, um, I see people who really care about their brand, who are mom and pop. I think that they won't use them as much. Like having a big number of BS users who don't interact are not going to be what small mom and pop. They'd rather have, you know, 500 really heavily engaged users than 50,000 ones that are like bots. So I think that people will start to have a better awareness and will start to have a BS detector to understand, you know, these are fly by net accounts are just trying to get money out of you. Yeah. My lasting trend is I think similar to yours is that more brands will use social media as part of an omni-channel marketing campaign to think of it more holistically. Like I have this brand message that I'm getting across and for email, I'm going to deliver this content and this message for Instagram. It's this for Facebook. It's this for, you know, Twitter. It's this. And then, you know, if I do paid advertising, it looks like this, but it's all got that same sort of brand message that they're trying to get across. Fad-wise, I think there's a little bit of over-reliance on when someone posts to your story, you repost to your own story. And I think as that starts to escalate and you get more followers and that just becomes a huge thing, it's not going to be very meaningful. So I think people will need to be more curated over who they repost over time as those volumes increase. That's actually very insightful for the social media noob. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of X Chateau. We'll be continuing on with our series into social media. It's such a new and exciting space for the world of wine. So we look forward to learning more about it with you all. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.